For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Southern New England's only home for sporting news radio. AM 1320, The Drive, WARL, Attleboro, Providence. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution and Major League Soccer on WARL 1320 The Drive with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. reviewing the latest action of the New England Revolution in Major League Soccer right here on AM 1320 The Drive as well as over the internet at 1320thedrive.com. Joining me today in studio is David Ackman. And last night, finally the Revs getting a positive result. Their first win since uh, 2-1-1 over Chivas back in early July now, I believe. And, you know, they couldn't have come at a better time. They needed this win. Very unfortunate. Well, they did have a win two weeks ago, I should mention, against Columbus. But uh, they certainly needed this win after the 3 nothing loss to uh, Columbus last weekend. And coming with a goal from Pat Noonan, who hadn't scored in over 14 months. So uh, it was great to see them get the win, but still a lot of work to be done in this season with the way the standings are. Yeah, definitely. It's a very close uh group-knit uh, 16 race in the East, well, if you throw out D.C., who's walking away. But um, I think they needed these three points badly because, you know, if Columbus had beaten them, it would have been a really, I mean, after Columbus had beaten them, it was a really tight tight group. And the game last night, uh, it was great to see them get the win, but there was still some more of the same issues where they're creating more chances than we've seen in the past, but the finishing wasn't there again. You saw a guy like Taylor Twelman who had some great chances um, put him right, right at the goalkeeper. Obviously, John Conway had a good game, but at the same time, with, with the situations they had, uh, no way they shouldn't have had more than the one goal they had. Yeah, definitely. I think even Twelman had a couple shots from right outside the box where he put him just wide. I, I forget, maybe it was Dorman that also put one just wide. Dempsey had a couple shots that were, you know, just a little too close to the keeper, and it just seems like they're snake bit, and they take all these good shot, like build-ups, and they can't finish them. And Matt Reese again got the shutout. Um, he's been having, a, he's been the one consistent player really all season who's been having a great year. I'd say easily the team's MVP up to this point. Uh, is eight shutouts now lead the league. He's second in the league in save percentage behind John Conway. So uh, he, he's been a consistent player for the team through the whole year. And I, I think he saved their the team a lot in some of these games. And last night didn't have as much to do as we've seen him have to do in the past. But uh, what he did have to do, he did a great job. Yeah, definitely. I think he's been the real rock in the the back. I, they have a you know a fairly inexperienced back line with Riley and Parkhurst, even though you know they've both been doing well. So you know you need a veteran leadership like that. And he's been you know not only just saving regular shots, but saving penalty kicks and distributing well. So he's been a real big uh, force in the back. And certainly Shari Joseph, who was out suspended uh, last weekend, and I would argue that was a big part of the reason they lost that game uh, so badly. He's been such a 
great player for this team in the past. I, I don't think he's had the best of years, but obviously the team misses him a lot when he's out. And I thought he had an excellent game last night, and that was the big reason for the turnaround from last week's last week last weekend's result. Yeah, definitely. He he you know he brings a lot to the table, not just uh, with his defensive abilities, but he's also when he's on he can distribute very well, and you know he can chip in on corner kicks with the you know even just as a big target man, even if the ball doesn't go towards him, he, you know he takes up defenders in the box. So he does a lot for this team. And certainly, uh, with Pat Newton going down injured, just really six minutes after his goal, that was a very unfortunate thing for the team. But it was good at the same time to find out that it wasn't that bad of an injury. It wasn't uh, re-injuring the hamstring or anything. So uh, with any luck, he may even be back by next weekend. Who knows? He, he said he was day-to-day. We'll see uh, what the situation with him is. Steve Nichols said it was a hip flexor. We've seen people be out with that before. But... Uh, not as serious as the injuries he's had that have been keeping him out all along. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, he had one of his best games in the, you know, that I can remember recently. You know, he's been battling injuries for a while, so, you know, hopefully this one doesn't, you know, stretch out all that long because it seemed like he was finally starting to link up well with Ralston and with Twelman. So if they can get back with him and uh, Dempsey and all those three, you know, attacking again like they were last night, eventually they'll start scoring goals. And that was something the team did a good job of doing as far as uh, getting behind the Metro Stars' defense, and it was exhibited very well in Pat Noonan's goal with that great pass from Steve Ralston uh, to set up that goal. Uh, but there was a lot more chances like that where they were one-on-one with the goalkeeper, and it was unfortunate that they couldn't have put that further away because uh, defending a 1-0 lead for the entire game is not the easiest thing to do. They managed to do it well, but at the same time, they could have made it a lot easier on themselves had they scored another goal, which they really should have done. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at just at the last end. I mean, Kovalenko has that chance right outside the box on the free kick. And, I mean, you know, if that goes in, they get a point out of it, and that would have been, you know, a very unfair result. But if you're just uh, clinging on to a one-goal lead, that's what can happen. Uh, and, and as we mentioned with Pat Noonan, it was his first goal in uh, 14 months. Uh, he's been doing a great job as far as in the past. He did a great job of linking up with Taylor Twelman. They were a great partnership up top. Uh, but after this goal, I'd say there's even some question of of whether or not Taylor Twelman could be partly responsible for his injury with that goal celebration uh, <laughs> kind of jumping on his back out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, you know, people get excited, especially when he hasn't scored for 14 months. So let's hope it wasn't that was what caused it. But if it is, well, you know, it's just one of those freak things that, you know, won't won't happen again, I don't think. And now we're joined over the phone by Revolution Director of Communication, Brad Feldman, as well as a play-by-play commentator for the television and radio broadcast. Brad, can you hear me? I can, Sean. How are you? Thanks a lot for joining us today. Absolutely. Anytime. Uh, what was your thoughts on the game last night and... Uh, in particular on the goal celebration, if you th- do you think that had anything to do with uh, Noonan re- getting re-injured? Uh, I haven't heard any talk to that effect uh, post-game. Uh, uh, my broadcast partner last night, Joe Cummings, actually saw him, uh, him being pat, uh, pull up uh, lame you know, five minutes or so before and going over for treatment. I could be wrong. I would be surprised if somebody jumped on, on your back. Like, let's put it this way. If that goal celebration... Uh, is what caused the injury, then you probably shouldn't have been out there to begin with. Yeah, to me, it just seemed like for a guy coming off an injury that that might have been a bit much jumping on his back there. He did seem to maybe even grimace a little bit in that, but uh, I well, hope listen, that wasn't the case. I'm going to go on a limb here and go on the record as saying that Taylor Twelman is a great goal scorer, but not a particularly good celebrator of goals. Some of his <laughs> goal celebrations have been some of the worst in the history of the league. The time where he uh, you know, he jumped and landed on his rear end with the corner flag right uh, in between his 
gets his uh, legs and it comes to mind. Uh, like I think when he keeps it simple and just does little, you know, sort of punch and thrust, you know, that's that's his best. But he's always like piling on Noonan and knocking him down and jumping on guys' backs and you know rubbing their head too hard. He he, chill out, dude. <laughs> but I don't think that's what injured injured Pat. I think it was a heartfelt celebration on the part of a good friend as well as a teammate and. And I think that Pat has just had sort of a domino effect of, of injuries. Um, I, I, we have to wait till the official uh, trainer's report comes out on Tuesday. But I'll talk to Steve Blazer tomorrow after training and find out uh, what caused it. I think it's just the fact that Pat doesn't have a whole lot of fitness because he's been in and out of the lineup with the hamstring and back injuries. Well, you were talking about Twelman being a great goal scorer. Um, recently, he's had some great chances, but he hasn't been putting them away. What do you think is responsible for that? Particularly last night where he had uh, three or four excellent chances where uh, shocking that he didn't get at least one of them. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a barren patch for for Taylor. I think because the game in Chicago in the U.S. Open Cup uh, quarterfinals was not televised, it seems even worse to Revolution fans than it actually is. Because Taylor did finish just a couple weeks ago in a competitive game, uh, but it has been since early August since he since he scored in, in a league match. Uh, listen, if Taylor were to get, have a two or three goal game. And then a couple score a couple more over these last uh, was a dozen game a half dozen games. I think that uh, you know all, if he ends up with a goals total of 13, 15, 16 goals, we'll say oh another good year for Taylor Twellman. If he's stuck on nine till the end of the year, we'll say he's lost the magic touch. You know we've seen it before. He he, he scores in bunches. He's the kind of guy who, who who does have a lot of multiple goal games. And once that happens, he tends to to get his uh, his shooting you know his scoring boots back, but. Are you worried, I guess, insofar as the Revolution haven't scored two goals as a team in any competition since July 8th? That's the part that worries you is that collectively they're not scoring goals, but they are generating chances, and they have, even in games like the Columbus loss uh, uh, the weekend before this one, you know, they had enough chances to, to at least get a point out of that game. They're, they're, they're generating opportunities in front of the net, and, and, you know, it's not like Taylor's putting them into the you know, into the 30th row. He's missing the upper corner by a couple of feet. He's hit, you know, hitting the post. He's having producing good saves from from keepers. Well, uh, there was a time a spell there where he's shooting right on the goalie a lot, and that's what worries you when he's. But if he's shooting across the face of net or going upper upper 90, and, and, and the keeper's dying, and what can you say? You just keep going, and and you know it's going to fall for Taylor sooner or later. Well, the other thing last night was Shari Joseph coming back from the suspension. I think. Uh, for me, he's the player that's the most important to the team as far as when he's out of the lineup, what they what they are missing. Uh, do you think he made a big difference uh, as far as the change in fortunes of this game compared to the last weekend's game? That's a layup, Sean. That's uh, you know he, he's not not a, not a big difference, a colossal, mammoth, uh, gigantic. Pick your synonym, pick your cliche. He's he's a giant out there, Shari Joseph. In terms of uh, the the, the the portion of the work rate that he takes on his shoulders, uh, the confidence he gives his teammates around him. Uh, I don't think that you know, soccer-savvy fans and journalists recognize what Shawry does. Uh, it was really interesting when Shawry had that little spell at the beginning of the season where he had a two-goal game and come in the heels. I think he had a goal and then a two-goal game. At three goals, all of a sudden, he's getting all this attention from the media because he's getting forward and scoring. That's always a bonus. If you get three to five goals out of Shawry a year, that's a you know great added bonus. And there have been people in the past who said that that's the one thing that's missing from his game. But you know you don't need Shawry in the attacking third for him to be you know really the glue of that team. He he wins the ball. You saw the way he 
just commanded that, that, that middle third of the field last night, my windshield wiper right in front of the, the back three, didn't let a whole lot through. And then what he does better than any other defensive midfielder in MLS for me and has done so for the last three years is he links with the front players, with the wide players. And, um, you know, we, we talk about Jose Cancela being able to dictate the tempo uh, of a game. Uh, I think that uh, Shaw Reed is underappreciated for the extent to which he dictates the tempo for the Revs. And I think he dictates a tempo that's far more satisfactory to uh, not just the Revolution coaches, but also to the front-running players, the the Twelmans, the, the Nunes, and the Dempseys, I think appreciate the way uh, Shaw replays because, he, you know, he's, he gets the ball wide quickly. Uh, he looks to penetrate with passes. You saw him, you know, spring a couple of great long passes last night, and and you know he he he's he's uh, multifaceted in his in his talents. I think, uh, you know, I think Shaw reads the, the genuine article and could play for just about any team, um, other than the you know the top ten teams in the world as, as a starting defensive midfielder. I agree with that 100%, but uh, I think he has started to get the attention of these clubs. Um, the reports that were that uh, Celtic FC out of Scotland had made a bid for him, uh, about $1 million or something in that range, if we're to believe the reports. Do uh, you think this is a player that the Revs are going to be able to hang on to for the long-term future, or is he going to start getting more attention from European clubs and eventually the right offer will come in? Well, I think that, you know I think we're naive to think that he hasn't gotten attention maybe in the past. You know, he was one of the few bright spots for for the MLS uh, Select 11 that went over to uh, to Madrid last August and uh, played in in that uh, Trofeo Santiago Bernabeu match where the, <laughs> the MLS got shellacked five nothing. Uh, uh, you know, and, and we know that, that those were tough circumstances. The team was thrown together. They they were you know 30 hours off the plane and. You know they didn't really have a fighting chance, but Shaw Reed Joseph showed that he had both the athletic and the technical ability to play with the team uh, and compete against a team like Real Madrid. Um, you know that was it. Really made a lasting impression on me because the thing I remember most of all was that under pressure. Now, yes, it's an exhibition game. Yes, it turned into a blowout game, but you could see that Shaw Reed could execute the same uh, tasks that he performed successfully in MLS. At the, at the speed of play that that you see, you know, in in a top league like Spain's La Liga, and so I think a game like that, believe me, every first and second division team in Spain was watching that game, and you know that stuff doesn't go unnoticed. Um, you know, it's just a lot of it's timing, and a lot of it is you know teams can make inquiries that maybe are deflected or the price is set at a certain level, and we never hear about it, myself included. Um, to answer your question, Sean, I don't know. I don't know. I think that the one thing I can tell you from, from a team perspective is that Revolution very much want to hang on to their star players. Nobody wants to thwart anyone's ambition or desire to go somewhere else. Uh, but, you know, some players have been more uh, vocal in expressing a desire to leave than others. Uh, the one thing in, in the short term that you, you've seen is that uh, the Revolution are, are serious about keeping this core group of players together, this group of players that was, uh, you know, an overtime goal away from winning the MLS Cup last year. And uh, you know, a lot of the same players that were were, were here in 2002. So, uh, I think that, you know, Shari may be one of those guys who has an option to move, but, uh, you know, I would not be surprised if MLS and the Revolution may, you know, make a very competitive effort to, 
to keep keep him around. Um, you know, the thing about Shaw Ree is that he's getting into his late 20s, and his window of opportunity uh, may close sooner than than it would for for some other players. And the other question to change the topic a little bit is: uh, last night, Steve Nichol making uh, a change with uh, the defense, bringing in Avery John for James Riley. Uh, Avery John obviously has done a great job defensively in some of these games, but at the same time, he's also uh, been a bit of a liability for some of the plays he's made, especially against uh, the Red Bulls earlier in the season when uh, Amado Guevara winded him up and ended up getting him a red card. Were you a little surprised to see that this is the game they decided to make that change and bring Avery John in? No, you guys, these are grown men, you know what I mean? And it's a long season. I don't think it's like, oh, well, here here comes Guevara again. John is going to take the bait again. I think he learned a harsh lesson. Uh, my theory is that Avery just wanted to give the fans what they wanted back on July 1st. He's just back from the World Cup, and he became world famous for getting uh, the, being the first player to get a red card in the World Cup. So he figured the home fans <laughs> wanted to see him do it in person. But I think that Avery is not in most cases a disciplinary liability insofar as he's going to get into you know shoving matches and get his hands up on opposing players like he did to get sent off against uh, against New York back in July. He knows that was a mistake. The coaches were very clear about the fact that they agreed that it was a red card. I think that was an anomaly for him. Where you worry about Avery sometimes is diving in on on players with you know these lusty two-footed tackles which at the same time gives the, the back three uh, added element of, of toughness and steel. But on the other hand, if it's done in the wrong place, in the wrong situation, can really be a liability. And, and I don't, you know, I think that I, what I've seen from Avery, both in reserve matches and last night, is that he's gotten the message. I've seen him pull out of a couple of tackles that I could tell when his eyes light up and he wants to, to get in there and, and really, really blade a guy. Uh, this is not a league where you can afford to take those risks in your defensive third. Uh, and, you know, I also saw Avery keeping it simple with his passing last night. And it's clear that he's been coached to not try to thread the needle uh, from his left-back position. If, if there's pressure from the other team, he released it last night by trying to play a long ball uh, in behind uh, the Red Bulls' back four to maybe spring a, a Twelman, you know, or a Noonan or a Dempsey for 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 a quick counter, and even if it concedes possession, it at least allows the Reds to concede the danger. Because Avery, uh, you know, he, he's good when he keeps it simple. Uh, he's a terrific athletic uh, presence, and, and he is he is a veteran guy who is tactically aware. He just is also a very enthusiastic player. Uh, I think James Riley just hit a little bit of dip in form, and until Avery loses a spot, it's his. And uh, one last question here. I know you got to get going, but. Uh, the one player who I thought has been standing out of the past few games, even uh, in the the poor loss to Columbus, is Jeff Zerwentowitz, who I thought has been having some very good games. Uh, is it a little surprising? I know with uh, Shari Joseph and Pat Noonan coming back in the lineup, somebody had to sit. But is it a little surprising to see that, really, I thought Jeff Zerwentowitz was the best performer last weekend, that uh, he's the guy that gets shafted and has to go to the bench? Um... I, I beg to differ with you. I thought he had a, you know, after a series of strong performances, uh, I, I thought Jeff did not have his best game against Columbus in the 3-0 loss. I thought he was, you know, really the back three gets singled out. When you're watching on television, those are the guys who end up in the play looking like they made the mistakes. But it, 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 Shari Joseph's absence was glaring, and I don't think either Joe Franchino or Jeff Laurentowitz uh, acquitted themselves particularly well in his absence. Uh, you know, it was a team effort. Everybody from Taylor Twelman to James Riley was giving the ball away in bad spots in the first half against against Columbus. But um, Jeff, uh, you know, he's had his 
you know, he's he, let's put it this way, he's been more consistent than anybody in the club would have expected. But I didn't think that I thought Columbus the week before that when he scored was a very good game for him. But um, yeah, if somebody's going to go, it's not going to be the club captain Joe Franchino. It's going to be the second year guy who just broke into the lineup, and you had to get you know Noonan and Joseph on the on the field as you mentioned. So no, I wasn't surprised at all. And before we let you go, could you talk a little about uh, the things you do for RevolutionSoccer.net, the Revs Video News and uh, in the net? Well, Revs Video News, uh, for better or for worse, is has been. Uh, put to rest. It's now called Revs TV, and it's a different concept, Sean, insofar as, you know, most people, you know, there are hardcore people who will, you know, consume any Revs content that's out there, from what you do with your excellent show to all the chat boards to the various uh, professional and fan-run uh, websites. Then there are other people who just want quick hit news, and what we're trying to do this year is give more regular updates, uh, but in a less sort of pre-fabricated uh, you know, or, or sort of rigid uh, structure. Uh, so in Res TV, you'll just have little snippets uh, of sound bites or highlights, or we'll re-air uh, a, a, a halftime uh, player feature for, from one of the telecasts. So you can sit down for 30 seconds, 45 seconds, three minutes, and get one little item uh, rather than string them all together in a weekly news uh, format. Uh, in the net continues. It has a proud tr- uh, tradition stretching back to the days of, of my uh, predecessor, Adrian Healy, and uh, we still get some of the best uh, uh, regional and, and national uh, soccer journalists on every week, um, as well as uh, players and coaches and uh, people like director of soccer uh, Mike Burns from the Revolution. So I think if you go back to the archives on that, you know, you can find out a lot on the revolution. And I'm actually surprised that, that, that more people don't tune in from outside our little inner circle because if I were scouting the revolution, I'd certainly get on list. And I know some teams do that. And one of the great things was in that uh, MLS Films um, project that they did on the semis and the, and the finals last year, uh, you know, Fernando Clavillo took a bite from In the Net where uh, Rob Stone uh, was critical of the Colorado Rapids. And the Colorado Rapids taped in the net and played it in the locker room to get their players uh, fired up before they played Los Angeles in the, in the Western Conference Finals. But, uh, yeah, the new, I think the new website is much more user-friendly. It's certainly graphically very pleasing. There's more content on a regular basis. And uh, we've got, uh, you know, a good team in place. Our webmaster, Jason Dalrymple, our communications manager, Liz Summers, our top-notch pros with a lot of experience. And uh, I think you've seen an upward trend in, in uh the media that, that we produce, and we also, you know, still put every game on television. Every game is either on uh, WEI and their affiliates or uh, WRKO on radio, and uh, you know, we're trying to bring the games to the fans. Uh, but you know, I should say, Sean, uh, <laughs> that what you do is very uh, important to the club too, and, and we appreciate your efforts, and uh, you know, hope to see them continue. Thanks a lot. All right, man. Anytime. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Okay, talk to you soon, Sean. Bye. That was uh, Revolution Director of Communications, Brad Feldman, as well as play-by-play announcer and commentator for uh, both radio and television. And uh, I definitely have to agree with his views on Shari Joseph. Um, as far as Jeff Laurentowitz, uh, as we talked about in his performance, um, I thought he played reasonably well against Columbus. I thought he, part of the reason he was exposed is because he was playing with Joe Franchino. Uh, I think Joe Franchino is a good player and a solid player for the club. But at the same time, we've seen him play defensive midfield. Uh, 
that's not his role. Yeah, exactly. I mean, anytime you're you know you're moving into the center of the midfield with a brand new partner, you know, it's always a little bit of a, a learning curve, especially when it's you know another guy that's coming out of you know his wing position to try to move into the center for that one game. So you know it wouldn't you know you wouldn't expect them to play perfectly the first game. Maybe if they had a couple of weeks where they could string it together, they might you know build a little bit of chemistry in the middle. You know, have a better understanding who should pick up who. But you know, for that one game for a second year guy, he didn't he didn't you know play too badly. I thought. Certainly anyone playing with Shari Joseph's job is made a lot easier. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you stick him with a you know, superstar, he you know, he can do his job well. And uh last night we were talking about the poor finishing, uh, despite the win. Uh obviously the three points is what matters. Uh but we do have Steve Nichols comments on the game and I I think he's similar opinion as far as glad to get the three points, but still a, a little worried by the uh poor finishing with the chances they had. Just to see how Noonan's uh, condition. He's uh, he's got hip flexor, which I guess the way is good. It does stop you playing though. But you know it's not a hammy or a thigh or anything like that. So we're pretty hopeful that we can get it cleared up uh, pretty quickly. Did, uh, you got the early goal. Did you guys think you were going to get a lot more? You had a lot of opportunities. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, I'm, I'm banging the drum again. You know, we need to we need to do a better job with our chances. We we keep the we keep them hanging around too long tonight. Uh, when you do that, you know, it just takes one slip, and uh, all of a sudden the game's tied when when you should be, you know, we should have been, you know, I think about four times we were one on one with a goalkeeper. Um, we have to do a better job with that, but we've won. And again, we can't complain with one. Comment on this stretch you have right now of four home games and six and this win. Just tell us what this Well, it's all about winning. Um, this stretch, you know, it'd be nice to play well and win, uh, but if we play ugly and win, then we'll, we'll, we'll settle for it. I think the second half, we, we played some decent stuff and made a lot of chances. First half, I thought we were a, a wee bit scrappy. But, you know, it's all about getting the points on the board at this stage of the year. Second half. second half, yeah. yeah I, didn't, I didn't think we passed it particularly well first half. Um, but the good thing, after last week, we, we asked that, uh, that we were positive and we would go forward, but we also asked that we were disciplined so that when the ball got turned over, we were in a position where we weren't going to get hurt. And I think first half, we really, really did that well. You know, we did give the ball away more than we wanted to, but I thought we'd, we defended real well. Uh, what was the thinking in putting in Avery John, and how did you think he performed? Uh, I mean, Jimmy Riley's, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's his second year. He's been fantastic for us, both last season when we needed him and uh, down this stretch. You know, Avery's an experienced guy, and you know exactly what you're going to get from him. And, uh, you know, he was real solid tonight. That was what we needed. I'm sure if Jimmy Riley had played, with a, you know, he would have done a, a good job. But we just felt that that wee bit of experience uh, was needed tonight. How important was it having Charlie Joseph back? Uh, yeah, that was huge. You know, any, any team's going to miss a player of Charlie's ability, so it was good to get him back. And that was Revolution head coach Steve Nichol and his thoughts on last night's game. Uh, as you mentioned, the three points, crucial, especially against a conference rival like the Red Bulls, who are one of those teams that uh, are still in the hunt for a playoff spot. And had the Revs lost, the standings would certainly look a lot different than they do right now. Uh, the Revs have a five-point lead on the Red Bulls, but should they have lost, uh, the Red Bulls could have actually jumped up in front of the Revs. So uh, very crucial key win. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if they had lost that game, I think they would have ended up in fifth, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, they would. They'd actually be in fifth and out of the playoffs at this point. But uh, I, th- I think right now the 
the cr- crucial part here for the Red Bulls is catching up with Kansas City. They do have two games in hand, so their destiny is in their own hands. But at the same time, the Revs have to be wary because uh, they still are only five points out of fifth place. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially uh, they do have two games in hand over Kansas City also, which is a an added benefit for them. But, you know, Chicago's still got two points on them, and they've got the same amount of games. So, you know, trying to catch Chicago for second is still part of it, as long as, and also trying to stay out of fifth. Yep, they actually have four points to catch up with Chicago. And uh, I talked to Steve Rawson last night. Um, he actually didn't seem to be too worried with catching up with Chicago. He said that would... Uh, I th- I certainly I think the team would like that, but I think there is more concern with making the playoffs at this point, and uh, I can play Steve Rawson's comments now. I think the last 20 minutes of the first half, we got sloppy. We sat back and we were just launching some long balls, and I thought we did a better job of, of passing the ball in the second half, definitely. For, I saw dream start, you know, scoring an early goal. About the first 15, 20 minutes, we did pretty good, but then we just kind of sat back and sort of, sort of launching balls forward, and we, we got our passing the ball. That second half, we did a much better job of that. Can you talk about the difference Shari Joseph made coming back in the game? Yeah, obviously, we, we missed Shari when he was gone last week. He's such a presence in the middle of the field, winning tackles, and his distribution. I mean, for such a big guy, he's got great feet, and, you know, he's, he's huge for us. I mean, he's, he's a big-time player, so every time, you, you know, if you lose a guy like that, it hurts. It's hard to fill his shoes, so having him back was, was big. I thought, as a team, everybody played very well tonight, though. Second, the goal for the team at this point. Uh, I think so. Obviously, I, I, I don't think anybody's catching DC. So, yeah. if we were to get second place right now, it'd be great. Really, once you're in the playoffs, it's the first round. There's no home field advantage. You play one home, one away. There's no advantage for second or third. The real advantage is first and fourth. So you have the semifinal game at home and. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get that. So, Can you describe um, what you saw uh, when you led Newman with a great pass? Um, having a great run. All I do is play behind the defense and uh, make, make, you know, put the right weight on at the right speed. And, you know, Pat did a great job of getting himself in between defender and, and the ball and, and a great finish. You know, having Pat back was, was big. The 15 minutes, the difference he makes. Um, unfortunately, losing him after that was, was a little bit sweet for him to come back. So we're going to have to leave again. So... Um, it's nice to, to see him on the field and score him. That was uh, Revolution midfielder Steve Ralston, who assisted on Pat Noonan's goal. Beautiful assist with that pass behind the defense. And a great job by Noonan to get the separation from Carlos Mendez and then get in there and get the goal. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, Ralston's pass really set it all up by, uh, you know, giving Mendez the, the uh, idea that he could actually intercept that pass. You know, gave Noonan that extra step to get in on Conway one-on-one. And Ralston hasn't been getting the stats I've seen in the past with the uh, double digits and assist. Uh, only two. This is only his second assist of the year, surprisingly, for a guy like him who uh, right up there for all-time leading assist. And but he has been also getting contributing on uh, the goal side. I believe he has five goals this season. And you know, he, I think he's quietly had a very good season, even though he hasn't put up the stats. Yeah, I, I think he's. Uh, you know, even if he's not getting the uh, individual assists, he's opening up the wings very well. You know, he's flipping between the left and the right. You know, allowing Dorman even to you know move into the right eventually. And you know, he's had a good offensive season too, and he's allowed to play more often. So, I mean, even if he's not getting the numbers directly, he's definitely allowing everyone else on the team to play more offensively. And we mentioned earlier Noonan, the goal scorer, and having come off earlier with the injury, unfortunate about that, but he had been out the past uh, one or two weeks with the injured as well, so uh, it was good to see him back, and it was also good to hear that this injury wasn't so bad. But we have uh, Pat Noonan's comments from last night's game, and we can play those now. It's always nice scoring. Um, to be honest, at, at this point, I'm not really even worried about that. I just want to be out there for... You know, the rest of the season healthy and not have to worry about injuries. So, um, good to get the goal, but, you know, all in all, disappointed that I had to come out.
that was Pat Noonan on uh, last night's game and uh, his goal in particular and getting injured. But uh, the other results last night, we saw D.C. United getting held at home by Real Salt Lake to a 1-1 draw. Uh, D.C. obviously clinched the playoff spots. Uh, they didn't mathematically clinch it until last weekend, but obviously they were a team that was going to be making the playoffs. For mid-season, you could have tell that they were clinching the playoffs. It seems like they've taken the foot off the gas, though, and uh, maybe good for the Revs going into the playoffs to see that D.C. is not up to the par where they were at the start of the season. Yeah, definitely not only for the playoffs, but I think we play them twice more before the end of the year. So, if you know, if they are coasting in, you know, trying not to get injured before the playoffs, that might give us a chance to pick up a couple points against them in the in the playoff race. As you mentioned, the teams play each other right here on Wednesday at, right in Foxborough, so that'll be a big game and a, should be a great game to go see. But uh, with D.C. Uh, losing the form, we also to mention Real Salt Lake tied them. Uh, they're another team that has been uh, getting some positive results recently. Obviously, the six nothing loss to New York a little bit a little while ago was very disappointing. But they did go down a man early in that match, and I think they're a team that uh, in their second year in the league they had a bad first start, first season. They didn't make the playoffs. They're a team that has a good shot at making it this year, I'd say. Yeah, last year they had a bunch of uh, veterans that you know didn't exactly gel right away and. You know, when you build your team on veterans, if they don't click, you know, you're, you're stuck not really having any development in the team. You know, none of the players are really going to step up. You know, this year they have guys like Bellucci that are starting to step up, uh, step up, and if they can continue that, they, they could make some noise, if not this year, at least next year. And we mentioned the Eastern Conference being a tight race, but the Western Conference at this point is even tighter. Uh, now Houston, who's in second place, only has a four-point lead over Los Angeles Galaxy, who are in last place, so... Uh, anything could happen in that division. Certainly no team's place is safe other than uh, FC Dallas, who has a strong 13-point uh, lead uh, into the playoffs. So a lot could change here in these last few games of the season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I think everyone knows after what L.A. did last year, I mean, as long as you're in the playoffs, it doesn't matter. So, I mean, if you come in fourth, you come in second, it doesn't really matter in your conference as long as you, you know, can go out on the road and pick up some wins in the playoffs. And Colorado actually suffered a heavy defeat. Uh, last night to the Kansas City Wizards, 4-1. to one. Uh, Right now they have the second-worst goal differential in the league at negative 11, but they are in a playoff spot. But I, I think they're a team that uh, certainly has to worry about the challenges from Real Salt Lake and Los Angeles Galaxy to overcome them. Uh, and on the flip side, Kansas City with the 4-1 win, uh, having played two more games in New York, certainly has to worry about New York trying to come and catch up with them. So a convincing win for them might help send them in the right direction. Uh, on the flip side, Colorado really is in tough position right now with those two teams so close. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's going to be a gut check time for Colorado. I mean, they've got a game in hand, I think, on Real Salt Lake, which is going to be clutch for them, but it still doesn't leave them, you know, any further ahead of L.A. So, you know, one loss, and they're right in the goal differential area, I think, and that would be a problem for them. In Chicago, the team currently residing in second place that the Reds are trying to catch. Uh, unfortunate to uh, see them pick up a 2-1 win over Columbus, especially after their... Revs had had such a strong defeat last weekend. Uh, Chicago, uh, we're talking about D.C. slumping. Chicago, on the other hand, is a very hot team right now. And if they keep playing like they're playing with destiny in their own hands, uh, it's going to be a tough team for the Revs to catch up with. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, we always have some tough battles with them. So it's not someone you want to have to be, you know, battling even in the playoffs. But, you know, that could end up happening pretty easily. And if you look at the upcoming schedule here, uh, the Revs do have uh, four more games at home. Uh, the next one being September 13th, this Wednesday, against D.C. United. Uh, we mentioned they're the top place, top in the league, top in the East. Uh, the team to beat at the moment aren't doing as well because they've 
we will assume because they're taking the foot off the gas for making the playoffs. So they're a team that the Revs are capable of getting points off of. We saw earlier in the season when they played them at home, the Revs ended up tying 1-1, and I thought the Revs were the better team in that game. Uh, probably should have won it. So when the Revs are on their, have playing their A game, they can beat D.C. United, so this should be a very uh, good and interesting game to watch on Wednesday night. Yeah, definitely. The Revs always step up against teams like D.C. and New York. I mean, they don't always get the results, but they're always tough, tough hard-fought battles, and especially with the playoff lives on the line this late in the season, I think it's going to be a very, very close game. And then the next game is uh, the following Wednesday, September 20th, away at New York. Uh, that's another crucial game. I think a win there uh, would give them some great breathing room between them and New York and really put them in a good position going into the playoffs. Yeah, that's definitely one one of those six-point games where, you know, you win that and you've all of a sudden, you've really opened up the gap on New York. If they beat you, then you're right back, you know, two points ahead only, and that'll, that'll be a tough battle at the end. But if you can pick up those points on the road, even a draw would be huge. And then they follow that up with the home game against Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City, we mentioned with the big 4-1 win uh, last night, but they're in a tough position having only four games left of the season, uh, where most teams have six. So that could be a game that, uh, even if the Revs do lose, they could hold on to third place or wherever they're currently residing in at that time. But uh, at the same time, that'll probably be another game that is important for them to win. Uh, and maybe a win there and a win against New York could leave them in a very comfortable spot uh, going into the last three games of the season. Yeah, definitely. I think the KC game, uh, depending on you know what happens in that game, could really push them forward. I mean, that would only leave KC with three other games to play. If they can open up a little bit of a lead on KC, then, I mean, even if New York passes you, you still have got a decent chance of holding on to fourth. And then they end the season with the game against Colorado, uh, out-of-conference game. Uh, important to win, but not as important as some of these interconference games that are really six-pointers where you're costing the other team three points as well. And then they end with D.C. and Columbus. Uh, so not the easiest schedule in the world with all these teams fighting for their playoff lives, but I certainly a schedule that with the Revs, the, what the, we, the way we know the Revs are capable of playing, uh, they should be able to come out of this and hold on to a playoff spot if they can continue the way they played last night. But with this season, who knows what team will show up on any given night. Yeah, definitely. You can only hope that the uh, end-of-the-season rallies that they've shown in the past can uh, keep up this year. Uh, it's going to be a tough, difficult schedule, but, I mean, everyone's in the same position. I mean, there's no real weak teams in this league this year. I mean, everyone is able to battle for a playoff spot. So, you know, there could be results elsewhere that will help us out, too, even if we don't pick up all the points we need. And as Rawson mentioned, as far as uh, finishing second, um, you do get the second game of the first leg at, at home rather than the first, so it's debatable whether that's an advantage. Uh, he talked about there not really being a home field advantage for second through fourth as the higher-seeded team will get the home game for the conference final. Uh, so then comes the question, where would you rather be, uh, third or fourth, if that's where it comes down to? Um, as far as fourth place, I would see them end up playing DC United. You obviously don't want to take risks and lose games getting into these spots, but uh, almost with the way D.C. United's playing now and the way Chicago's playing now, uh, I'd say Chicago's a scarier team to be uh, heading up against going into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you never want to tempt fate by, you know, losing games. But, I mean, even coming in fourth with the way D.C., you know, hasn't been exactly been uh, in total control as they were earlier in the year, might not be the worst thing. But, you know, both Chicago and D.C. are very capable opponents. So, you know, you just try to do your best to you know, make the playoffs and see what happens once you're in. At the same time, I'd say RFK Stadium is a harder place to play away than uh, Chicago's Toyota Park. So that's another thing to consider as far as uh, the home game. You'd, you'd have a two-game series against D.C., and which you'd have a better shot beating them than playing one game at D.C. United. So it may be better to uh, take your chances and eliminate them then. But 
you never want to see a team purposely, you know, go for a lower position. Oh, definitely. I mean, especially, you know, one mistake and all of a sudden, you know, the game you're supposed to win to, you know, wrap up fourth, you lose, all of a sudden, you know, maybe you look on the outside at the end of the season. So, you know, you you take your chances. If you finish third, you finish third. If you finish second or fourth, you know, that's fine, too. You just want to make sure you don't end up fifth. And to change the topic a little bit here, uh, two weeks ago on Monday was the National Soccer Hall of Fame induction ceremony, and I had the opportunity to go down there and I actually recorded the entire induction ceremony and got some great clips. Um, I had the opportunity to have an exclusive interview with Alexi Lawless, and we also have clips from all the other inductees. And we can start now with a clip of Alexi Lawless's speech um, for being inducted into the Hall of Fame. And then there's the fans, okay? Because if the fans aren't there, then we can just go out on a Saturday night down to the local park and, and play, which is fun, but... I like putting on a show, and I like going out in front of people, and I don't apologize for that, all right? I always considered myself a performer and an entertainer uh, and part of a, a troupe, a band, whatever you want to call it, which were the guys that we were out there with, and I loved that aspect of it. And to be, to be honest with you, I miss that. Uh, if there's anything I miss, it's going out in front of people and entertaining them. And we have incredible fans, and the fans that existed when I first started playing as to now are so much more educated, but there's still that passion, and they are part of this family that we always talk about and sometimes we don't talk about them enough if nobody's buying tickets to watch uh, major league soccer uh, then we're in big trouble when well, we have great fans out there in every place that i've gone i've had a wonderful relationship whether they were uh, cheering me and telling me how great i was or saying horrible things about my mother it doesn't matter as long as they're, they're doing something you know you paid your money do what you got to do so uh, it's been it's been a wonderful ride with the fans and, and i want to thank them because they are as much a part of anything that i did on the field as, as any of the other people that we've mentioned and i just want to say that this this is an incredible honor, and it's meant so much to me to come back over these past three years and to discover the history that exists. And I can only pledge to you and to you guys uh, that I will do everything in my power as I continue to be involved with soccer to make sure that the generation that's playing now and the future generations understand that there is a history. Um, next year, if you want the, the LA Galaxy to come back and play the game following this, all you have to do is ask the president, um, and I can get you a meeting with him. Uh, and you can have the LA Galaxy. Who they play, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But uh, teams that I am involved with will understand the importance uh, of, uh, of this place that we are sitting and understand that they are part of a history and they are part of a family and it's meant so much to me to be part of this history and to be part of this incredible soccer family. Thank you very much. And that was Alexi Lawless in his induction speech, uh, part of the class of 2006 inducted into uh, the National Soccer Hall of Fame. Uh, Lawless obviously started his MLS career with the revolution and uh, was a great defender and really the icon for the team in the first several years. Uh, so it's great to see him getting honored and inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he was a great player, not just for the Revs, but for, you know, any team he played, including the national team. You know, one of the highlights in 94, the big red hair flying everywhere, you know. So a lasting image for all of U.S. soccer fans. Also one of the few uh, American players ever to play in the uh, Italy Serie A. And he was a great player for the Revs, as you mentioned. Uh, and also I think he's been doing a great job as far as in the management position now. Um, as he mentioned, the Hall of Fame game that's become a tradition at the Hall of Fame was supposed to be between the New York Red Bulls and Columbus Crew, and just a few days before it happened, the two teams backed out of it, and that's very disappointing to see uh, those teams uh, back out of their commitment. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's such a nice place and, you know, a, a, an area where they really love their soccer. So it's sad to see, you know, you know one of the few times they get to see it, the MLS come up in that area where the teams bail out. And it, as Lawless mentioned, uh, 
it's great to hear him say that the guys would be willing to do it any time. So hopefully they'll be in it next year. Uh, and it's also disappointing because for a lot of these players, they play in this game, this, the inducted players, and this is their last uh, really ever time playing, at least in front of fans. And as Loss was mentioning how excited he is to play in front of fans, uh, that's a disappointing thing too. I know last year we saw, uh, I believe last year or the year before, we saw Eric Ronaldo playing in it. We've seen uh, guys like John Harks and uh, really big, important players. So it's uh, disappointing that that game didn't happen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a good chance to see all the old uh, icons from soccer playing in those games. But, uh, you know, the teams make their choices. I'm sure they had a reason. But, you know, you just hope in the future that it ends up getting assembled and completed. And I mentioned earlier that we had, I had an exclusive interview with uh, Alexi Lalas about uh, his induction and his career in general, and we can play that now. with either one of those teams so if they don't want to come that's fine but you know I, I look at it as a form of uh, a respect and a tremendous honor to be asked to come up here and play and you know as far as you know the galaxy we you know we'd love to come back here and play because I know what it means and it's also important you know I think for our teams and our players to be exposed to this and understand what the Hall of Fame is all about um, you know we have guys like Kobe Jones and Landon Donovan playing on our team right now which I would think uh, at some day in the future are going to be nominated and are going to go into this Hall of Fame and they should understand uh, as much as the young players uh, about what exists up here and I think uh, you know it's just a, it's a form of respect would you have played today had the game not been yeah I would have played I was ready to play with the Red Bulls actually they were kind enough to invite me and uh, you know it's, uh, it was the closest thing to a team that I actually played for whether it was uh, you know the Metro Stars or the Red Bulls so yeah it would have been fun to run around and what's been the greatest experience of your career so far yeah, the 94 World Cup was a wonderful time in, in, in my life and really kind of was a coming out party for me and, and I had a great time uh, you know being part of that and then seeing how it changed our culture. Uh, can you talk about how far the league has come uh, since when you were first signed? The fact that we're going into our 12th year next year says a lot because most leagues, most sports, two or three years and then you're out. So if you're not doing anything, that's it. Um, we, have a, you know, we have a smart business plan. We have great ownership behind us. Um, you know, we've turned the corner from a, from a business perspective. And on the field, I still believe that we're producing individual players and teams that can compete with the best in the world. How is it to make the switch from uh, playing in the league to the front office? Sucks. It's horrible. i got to wear a suit. You know, i got to comb my hair every day. I don't have my afternoon naps anymore or going to the matinees. So, I mean, uh, players love to tell you about how, how difficult their job is. In reality, it's like two hours out of the day, and then you get to go and screw around for the rest of the day. So I miss those to a certain extent, but the fact is that uh, this is also an incredible opportunity and, and as challenging as anything I ever did on the field. So. You still have connections with all the teams you played at and wish them the best of luck when the Galaxy are playing them on? No, I want to beat them constantly and, and drive them into the ground on the field and off the field. And, uh, you know, whatever team I met, and in this case it's the Galaxy, um, you know, that's that's what I'm working for. And uh, the Galaxy has a, a special place in my heart, having played there and having won championships there. And uh, it's an incredible responsibility, too, to be, to be guiding that team because for a lot of people, people look at the Galaxy as, you know, the jewel of Major League Soccer. And you've obviously had a very long career playing and now going to the front office. Uh, of all the teams you played on, which one has been your best experience? Well, let's see. I started out with the Revs, which was awesome. I had a great time, uh, you know, playing in Boston and then uh, playing at Foxborough and, and playing for the Crafts. So we weren't so good, but the crowd support was wonderful. And, um, you know, then I went to New York and then I went to Kansas City and then I went to Los Angeles. You know, there's nothing like your first time. What's the difference between, uh, you play in Italy, but with the leagues there, uh, there's obviously the perennial contenders where right. with MLS there can be, really any team can win the championship yeah, every year. Yeah. What's the difference between those two things and uh, which do you prefer? 
Well, you know, I mean, everyone, you know, you can have uh, an argument and a conversation on what's better with the haves and the have-nots or the parity that exists in MLS. I mean, I, I truly believe that our league right now has the most competition of any league in the world. doesn't necessarily mean it's the best league, but from top to bottom, any team can win, and that doesn't exist in a lot of leagues around the world. So uh, if you want to see true competition every single time there's a game, come on out and watch MLS. You know, if you want to see a Chelsea with, with a bunch of superstars, which is wonderful, but 70% of the time they know they're going to win. That was former Revolution player and U.S. national team player. Well, he's played for several other teams. Uh, Alexi Lawless, who was inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, two weeks ago, uh, part of the class of 2006. Um, as I mentioned, it was great to see him inducted, but uh, also three other people inducted. Uh, Phil Anschutz, to be mentioned, uh, he was a, he's been an excellent person as far as supporting Major League Soccer. He uh, used to own just about half or even more than half of the teams in MLS. Uh, has recently been selling that off to diversify the ownership of MLS, but the league wouldn't exist without him, so uh, he's certainly been uh, a key part of this league. Yeah, definitely. He was always, you know, owning multiple teams and making sure that, you know, all the contracts could be, you know, paid up on time. And, I mean, when you're a young league, you know, if you if you have any ownership issues in the beginning, you know, players aren't going to want to sign on. And having, you know, a guy that's willing to do what he did for the league is very important. At the same time, he's not someone who's... Uh, very into giving out interviews, uh, certainly a hard guy to get in touch with, but we do have a short clip from his induction speech uh, that we can play now. Uh, it's been uh, a tremendous privilege to be associated with soccer over these many years. I've never seen a crowd of people that's so enthused, so, so wants to lift the game, and it's the fans, it's the players, it's the coaches, it's, it's all of you in this audience. And as they said about Don Garber, now is a good time to be the commissioner because I really do feel that the game of soccer in this country is is on the upsurge. So this is a good time to be involved with the game. I'm proud to stay involved. Thank you very much. Goodbye. That was Phil Anschutz, who's owned the, several of the teams in MLS, and uh, less now than he did originally, but uh, still a very big, important part of the league, as we mentioned uh, as far as investment-wise. Uh, the other two people that inducted were Carla Overbeck, who is a uh, f- former women's national team star, uh, one of the captains of the national team that uh, I believe won the 99 World Cup, uh, and such a key part of the women's team. And we have her comments on uh, the state of the women's game and how much uh, U.S. soccer has done to help that. And um, just what Mr. Anschutz has done was incredible. And I was wondering if he had a brother out there that could help revise the um, WSA. (laughs) Because we would love to have him on our side, too. But, no, obviously everything he has done for soccer was incredible. And um, like Alexi said, the recognition that... You know, any team, any whether it be men or women's, um, was great for the game. Um, I also want to say congratulations to the Hall of Fame. I mean, this place is unbelievable. And I have two children, and I can't wait until I'm able to bring them back, just like Alexi said, um, to see all the great people that have um, been a part of U.S. soccer. Uh, I want to say thank you for uh, to U.S. Soccer for um, enabling our team to live out our dreams. Uh, I know we had some some rocky times sometimes, but I think when you're trying to grow the sport, you know that's what happens. We we sort of didn't know uh, where the women's team was going, and I just appreciate everything you guys at U.S. Soccer did for us, 
um, I think growing our team and making it nationally known and also worldwide because I know the Germans and the Norwegians, um, the Chinese, they would not be as fortunate in their own countries if it weren't for you. So um, I appreciate everything that you have done for our team. That was former women's national team star Carl Overbeck. And the final person inducted was Al Tross, uh, a former captain of the U.S. men's national team back in the 70s. I believe he got in on the veterans ballot. Um, and he had some interesting things to say about the sport of soccer and how it also relates to life. Uh, in life, as in soccer, we can never escape the fundamental reality that we need to work together as a group if we are going to realize success as individuals. No one really climbs the pinnacle of success alone. It's curious how superficial sport in general has become. How many times have we read about the star player determining the outcome of the game? What about the other teammates? Getting caught in that mindset that one player is the team not only overinflates the importance of one player, but also is condescending to the contributions of other less visible players. I have found my love of soccer and my inspiration for the sport in a team principle endorsed by that famous basketball coach at Duke. Coach K's principle of collective responsibility. It taps into a deeper set of values. We are responsible in how we think, act, and feel toward other people as well as our sport and our lives in general. We can choose to serve others or be served, be selfish or selfless, be egotistical or humble. And it, beyond that mechanical activity and tactics and teamwork of soccer, like passing and support on offense and cover on defense, is a deeper spiritual principle and conviction of responsibility. Here is where the real word team resides. It is a higher purpose inside group members' hearts that makes sacrificing for others inspiring. So I stand here before you today to recognize those contributions and sacrifices of so many others that played alongside me. Being a member of a team carries a responsibility to give your talents and share your abilities so that everybody on the team can enjoy the fruits of hard labor. This is what St. Louis soccer has meant to me. In the words of John Wooden, it's amazing how much can be accomplished when no one cares who gets the credit. In soccer, as in life, you can never control what you get, only what you give. That was veteran player Al Trost, who, uh, as I mentioned, the captain of the 1970s uh, U.S. national team. but. He was also a key figure in St. Louis soccer. Uh, another one of the players to come out of the amazing soccer hotbed that St. Louis is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I don't know what, what they put in the water out there, but they make so many good players. And, you know, to have a guy like that inducted just shows how, you know, how big our history really is. And uh, kind of tied in with St. Louis, uh, as you mentioned, talking about Pat Noonan earlier, another St. Louis product, Steve Ross, another St. Louis product, Taylor Twelman, a St. Louis product. So uh, certainly that tradition continues today. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, let's just hope that they can keep making players like that so that we'll have a good league to come. And uh, we'll wrap things up here in the next few minutes. Uh, but as we mentioned, the next game upcoming against East United, uh, a very key game. Uh, we've seen Freddie Adu get the goal to last night that tied the game against Salt Lake. Um, he's been having a breakout season this year. I believe it's his best season so far in the league, so he'll be a player to watch on Wednesday. Yeah, definitely. He's been steadily improving. You know, they haven't rushed him in, and I think that was the best thing they did. You know, they made his progression slow and steady, and it's really starting to pay dividends for him and his team. 
certainly people have complained about. Um, here's this young player, uh, young star. Why aren't you starting him immediately? But uh, I think what's showing, as you said, it's showing now that that was the right decision with the way he's he's coming and the way he's been playing this season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you throw a guy out into the uh, fire too early. You know, if he has a couple of bad games, you know, he might, you know, start having a little self-doubt. You know, they put him into situations where he could succeed. He could make assists, score some goals when he had to. And, and you know, now he's built his confidence and he's built his skill set and he's really been improving. And it'll be interesting to see how uh, veteran Steve Rawson handles him. I think uh, in their matchup so far, Steve Rawson's done a very good job and gotten the better, really, of Freddie Adu. Uh, but as I mentioned, really every year Adu is getting better and better, uh, every game getting better. Uh, it should be a great battle. Yeah, definitely. You know, Ralston knows all the little tricks of the league and, you know, how to handle all the little spitfire left-wingers. But, you know, eventually, you know, there could come a day when Adu gets the better of him. Let's just hope it's not, it's, it's not the next couple games. And we mentioned the change with uh, Avery John coming in for James Riley. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that play stays over the D.C. game. I think with the way Avery John played, it'll be hard to take him off the field. Yeah, definitely. I think Avery, you know, really acquitted himself well in that game. So let's, uh, let's see what uh, Nickel decides to do. But I wouldn't be mad if he plays another game. He certainly also played smarter as far as avoiding uh, silly challenges that would get him the yellow cards. Yeah, definitely. You know, he played very responsibly. And the other player, uh, Kano Smith. Uh, just coming back from injury slowly and slowly getting more time off the bench um, I thought he had a pretty good game uh, last night still not his best not what we've seen from him before his finishing is what's noticeably been missing uh, with the chance he had so hopefully as the season continues he'll come on and become the player that he was towards the end of last season into the playoffs where he scored such great goals as the one against the New York Red Bulls that moved the Revs on to the conference championship last year yeah definitely I mean it's tough it's only been his first couple games back from injury so uh, let's see if he, you know, he's starting to make the runs. Eventually the goals will come. We mentioned the yellow cards from Avery John that uh, weren't there last night. Kano Smith, as he's coming back, seemed to be picking up really silly yellow cards. And the one last night for throwing the ball up into the air towards the end of the game, wasting time, uh, really unnecessary and uh, a little surprising coming from him. And that's not something that you expect to see from him. Yeah, and it almost seemed like it was, uh, it was out of frustration, the way he just took it and chucked it so high in the air. I'm not sure what you know, was the idea behind it. You know, It wasn't like he rolled it away from the guy or something. So I'm not sure what he was thinking on that one. And last night, something we haven't mentioned yet was Amado Guevara's red card. Um, I didn't exactly see what his first yellow card was for, but his second yellow card, uh, when you get a yellow card, the ref is not going to take it back. Yeah, I, to me it's just silly to continue to argue. You know, it's, it's all right if you say, you know, a short something short to the ref to tell him that you're not happy with it, but to g grab the ref, he was asking for another yellow card, and then to continue to complain after that, he's someone that can be a great player for this league, but he needs to get his attitude in check. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you want to argue about it, you know, I didn't see what the first yellow was for. I mean, I could see why you might want to argue that one. But, you know, as soon as you lay your hands on the ref, you know, you're lucky if you're not suspended for longer than just that one game. And Bruce Arena had been uh, heaping so much praise under Guevara when he came out of the team. Uh, it'd be interesting to hear what his comments are about him after last night. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's always had the talent. It's, it's just if he could ever get his... Uh, his uh, anger and, you know, his temper and control, then, you know, he really could be a quality, quality player. And uh, speaking of talent, Edson Buttle, I think, showed some of his moves again last night. Wasn't his best game, but he sh keeps showing these flashes. He's going to get a chance with the U.S. national team. I think he could have done better with a few of the chances he had, but he got in some great spots, and he's certainly a player to keep, keep an eye on in the future years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he looks a lot like Eddie Johnson looked, you know, a year or two ago before his recent patch of uh, poor form. He's got the pace, he's got the power, and, you know, he's got a decent shot on him. So, I mean, 
if he can keep continuing to improve, he's definitely going to be a picture for not only the league but also the national team. And before we wrap things up, I'll say one more time, the game on Wednesday, 7.30 at home against D.C. United. Another player to watch from that team, Jaime Moreno, is having an excellent season. Christian Gomez, uh, called by some the favorite for MVP. So very exciting team to watch. First place in the league. Uh, excellent game. Certainly, if you want to go check out the Revs, that should be a great game to go watch. Yeah, definitely. You know, winding down two, two of the best teams in the league the past couple of years. So, you know, all the stars will be out for that one. And I'd like to thank Dave for joining me today. I'd like to thank all listeners for tuning in. Uh, we can be heard every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. right here on 1320 The Drive. And the archives will be put up at revolutionrecap.com. Uh, I'd also like to thank Brad Feldman for joining us earlier on the phone. Uh, we'll be back next week. are listening to 1320 WARL Attleboro Providence yeah!